Brother Magushu, he, he, he read from Acts 20. Was it Acts 20? What? Um, what was the scripture? I'm sorry. Acts 20, 10 through 12, right? So, okay. And um, in verse 12, and they brought the young man alive and were not a little comforted. And uh, the word that God keeps speaking is um, he wants you to go home alive. God is sending us home alive. And uh, he wants us to be alive. And... Um, so <clears throat> just everything that's happening and healing and stuff. So I just um, maybe want to just touch a little bit on, on something. Let's go to the book of John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Is it okay if we slow down a little bit? I don't know how much <clears throat> yelling I'll do today, but you never know. <laughs> John chapter 3. Um, we'll st <sighs> oh Lord okay we'll start at th verse 3 I'll help y'all out right so you can't say I went all the way back to 1 um, Jesus answered and said unto him verily verily I say unto thee except the man be born again he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born Again, the wind blows where it lists. You hear the sound thereof, but cannot tell where it comes and whether it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Are you a master of Israel and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know. Testify that we have seen, and, we rec and you receive not our witness. If I had told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man be lifted up. So must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not sin sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hates the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be man made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's just pray right now. We want the Lord to just help us with understanding of his word, his nature. Father, I pray 
God, what you want to release into each and every one of us. Lord, you want to awaken us and make us alive, oh God, and take us up in your arms and release healing, God, and power and love into us. And I pray right now that you, Lord, would have your way in your people, your precious people. I thank you, Lord, for what you are doing. I thank you for your, your goodness, your spirit. Lord, have your way in us. Meet every need in this place. Answer prayers. Lord, you're able, you're mighty, you're great. Lord, speak to your people. I pray that each and every soul in this place would hear your voice as the good shepherd. We give you honor, we give you praise. Hallelujah, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen, amen. Praise God. You can be seated. But, um, and so, uh, I believe the Lord wants to give us uh, a fresh revelation of his love for us. A fresh revelation of his love. Um, Jesus said this in Matthew 24, when he was talking about the end times, he says this, he says, because iniquity will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Because iniquity abounds, the love of many will grow cold. And so iniquity is, is self-will. It's, it's, lawlessness it's operating outside of god's order outside of god's direction it's doing your own thing it's it's being your own god it's doing whatever's right in your own sight uh saying what you say what you think is right is right and what you think is wrong is wrong being your own judge your own everything and and so we live in a world where that is abounding people are doing their own thing People are doing their own will. Um, nobody, the word submission is like a, a, a curse word now. People don't want to submit. Uh, authority is rejected now. Anything that uh, exudes any type of authority, people want to uh, cast stones at it, bring it down, and, and come up with any reason not to submit to the authority. Um, and so uh, people that, people promote uh, to be anything but the moment there's any type of uh, order given or direction, um, we just don't want to submit to it. Lawlessness is abounding. Iniquity is abounding. Can I tell you, each and every one of us, you live in a culture, you live in a system, you live in a world where iniquity is abounding. That spirit of iniquity is at work, and it wants to get a hold of each and every one of us. It wants you to fight authority of God. It wants you to be lawless. It wants you to be your own king, your own guide, your own God, your own counselor, your own corrector, your own everything. And God never created us to be that way. At the beginning in the book of Genesis, when God puts two trees, he puts the tree of life and he puts the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Satan tempted them and said, you shall be like God, knowing good and evil. That was the temptation of the enemy, that you would be like God, being able to know good and evil. God never created you to know good and evil, to determine what is good, what is evil. Only God does that. It's iniquity to bring that into ourselves, to try and establish good and evil in my own eyes. Because the Bible says there is a way that seemeth right unto man. There's a way that seems good to man, but the end is destruction. 
And so when I determine my own path, it is not within man to lead man. So when I determine my own way, I will lead, it will lead me to destruction. When, when iniquity, that's iniquity, when I am in lawlessness and iniquity, it will lead me to a path of destruction. And so many people are on that path right now, leading lives that are led by themselves. That is the most dangerous thing you could do. It's the blind leading the blind. But the Bible says this. It says that Jesus is the light of the world. And he has come into the world. But men love darkness because their deeds were evil. So people being blind now, there's no excuse for blindness because light has come to shine the way. But because of people's love for their deeds, love for their evil deeds, I don't want the light. I don't want to be exposed. I don't want to be corrected. I don't want to be challenged. I don't want to be chastened by the word of the Lord. I don't want God to speak to me. I don't want someone to see what I'm doing and ask questions. I don't want to be challenged on why I do what I do. I don't, I don't, want, I don't want anybody questioning anything that I do. That's a spirit of iniquity. That's a spirit of iniquity. That's, that's pride. That's lawlessness. And it's abounding in this age. And can I tell you, it wants to grab a hold of each and every one of us. It wants you to be in, in the church and around the people of God and have a spirit of iniquity operating in you. And a spirit that says, I don't want to hear anything. I don't want to be challenged. Nobody has a, a, a right to question me. I'm, I'm above reproach. Nobody has a right to say anything to me or ask me or question me or, or, or say, what are the intentions there? Because I'm, I'm above reproach. That's a spirit of iniquity. It's iniquity, and that's what, that's what Jesus calls it. And he says this. He says, Matthew 7, 25, there's going to be many that come to me in that day and say, Lord, we prophesied in your name, and we cast out devils in your name, and we, we did many mighty works in your name. And he says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, lawlessness. You were your own God. You did that stuff as if you were doing me a favor, as if that was going to earn you something with me, when in fact, what I wanted from you was your surrender, your submission, your openness to my word, you to just take from the tree of life and abide in me and be mine. That stuff you do, it doesn't impress God. God is not impressed with how many people we pray and get healed. He's not impressed with how many come to a church, how big a church is, how great I preach a message, how great the singers sing. That stuff doesn't impress God. He's not like, oh, wow, the Bible says this, that there's joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repents. The Bible says that God delights in mercy. He delights in truth, in justice, in judgment. That's what he delights in. Works, accomplishments, that doesn't bring the favor of God. That doesn't prove how close we are to God. And so we have to be very careful in the culture that we're a part of that you don't judge your Christian walk by what you accomplish. By how good you do or don't do or this happened or how many numbers or 
comparing yourself amongst yourselves. That's not wise, the Bible says. Don't do that. Don't do that. And so, um, because iniquity will abound, the Bible says in Matthew 24, the love of many will grow cold. So you say, well, I'm not operating in iniquity. I'm trying to stay humble and submitted to the will of God. But there's a second danger that you could see all the iniquity going on around you and your heart grow cold. You don't love the way you should love because people are operating in iniquity, because I see so much lawlessness, because I turn on the news and it's lawlessness and and you walk down the street and it's lawlessness and and, and even come into the church and I see people and there's lawlessness and people say, well, there's hypocrites in the church and you become cold. You become cold. That's a danger of this hour. It's a danger. I believe many of us are suffering from a coldness of heart. From a coldness of heart. And it's not necessarily because you've done something wrong. It's because iniquity is abounding. It's because there's so much going on that you see it's going to weigh on you. It's, listen, we are affected by what we see and what we hear. If you don't think you are, you are deceived. Every single one of us. We were created to be impacted by what we see and what we hear. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith comes by hearing. Now, that faith, originally, the only thing you were supposed to hear was the word of God. But guess what? There became another voice. And it spoke, and faith was put now into the word of the enemy. They started questioning God. But until that thing started speaking, there was no questioning of God's word. But now the Bible says there are many voices in the world, and none of them are without significance. And so you've got to be careful what you're hearing. You've got to be careful what you're allowing into your senses because you were created to be affected by it. You were created to grow by the word you hear, but we were supposed to be hearing the word of God. And so we have to be very careful in this time because if you're, and this is why I I believe this, you're going to have to probably shut off some of the news. Because you you say, well, I'm not participating in it. I, I disagree with it. It frustrates me. I don't like it. I disagree with it. But is it making you cold? Is it making you callous to people? Is it making you easily be able to look at people as just a statistic and not as a soul? Are you able to just disregard people as wicked and no good and sinners and identify people by the sins and the worst thing that they've done? And it doesn't cause your heart to grieve for their souls. Our hearts are growing cold. Our hearts grow cold. And so Jesus said that's the danger of this hour is that our hearts would grow cold. And so I believe this, that the answer for a cold heart is the love of God. We need a fresh baptism of the love of God. He told told the church in Ephesus. uh, I know I don't have y'all flipped to a lot of scriptures, but. Just kind of quote him. But in in Ephesians chapter number, I mean, Ephesians, Revelation chapter number two, he's speaking to the church at Ephesus and he says, you've lost and you've left your first love. He says, that's the one thing he had against this church. They were, they, man, verse two, 
Their works, labor, patience, you, don't, you can't bear them that are evil. That's a good thing. But you've got to be careful with that, that it doesn't make you grow cold. That you don't sway so far that, oh, I hate evil, that you don't love the soul. So the devil doesn't care what side you're on as long as you're not walking that narrow road of love. Because love is the only thing that will never fail. Love is what conquers and covers the multitude of sins. Judgment will never make somebody righteous. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. It is the love of God that does that. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. So in Revelation chapter 2, he's talking, you, you've tried them that say that they're apostles and they're not. And so found them to be liars. You can identify a false prophet. You can identify a false apostle. You can identify false doctrine and a lot of false doctrine in the world. And that's not Christianity. That's not true. And there's a lot of false out there. And I agree there is, but you got to be careful. It doesn't cause you to grow cold. Because iniquity is abounding. And so you've borne, verse 3, you have patience for my namesake. You've labored and you've not fainted. You're doing the work. You're, you're, you're engaged. But I've got something against you. You've left your first love. Remember, therefore, from whence you are fallen. Repent and do the first works. And then he gives this, or else I'll come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Except you repent. Verse 6, he goes on, he says, you have this, you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So listen, church, it's, it's good to hate what he hates. But we've got to love what he loves. And so we live in a culture right now, a Christian culture that hates what God hates. A lot of people, oh, I can, I hate, that's, that's wrong. Quick. But do you love what he loves? Which is souls. Do you love your neighbor as yourself? The Bible says this, greater love has no man than this, than to lay down his life for a friend. Are you willing to lay down your life for souls, for a soul? And I'm not talking about numbers. I'm not talking about numbers. I'm not talking about, oh, I got this one baptized, got that one the Holy Ghost, got that one prayed through. No, I'm talking about loving someone and saying, I care. I want you to know who you are in God. I want you to know God for yourself. I want you to have the peace of God. I want, I want you to walk in the fullness of everything that God has for you. Not for my benefit, but so that you can become what God has for you. Because there's only in that that there's peace, that there's joy, that there's hope and righteousness. And you labor and you love and you serve and you do whatever. And that might be preaching. It might be just giving somebody a meal. But you're saying, I just want to love you. I want, I want you to be uh, in touch with the love of God. And so God's love is a self-sacrificial love. The love of this world is self-gratifying. It's about me. I'll love you as long as it benefits me. 
And a lot of things we call love, it really means I like the way you make me feel. I like how you make me feel. I like how I feel when I'm around you. Therefore, I love you. A lot of relationships are built on that. I like how I feel when I talk to you. I like how I feel when we're around each other. I like how I feel when I grab your hand. I like, I like our time together. I like how I am with you. Therefore, I love you. That has a place. That's, that's the phileo love. That's an affection you can have for someone. But the love of God, it's not about you. It's not about how you feel when you're around that person. It's not about how they do for you. It's not about how you like it. It's not about the convenience of you. It's about them. It's about them and the will of God. It's about what God wants for their lives. And the love of God says, I decrease and God increases. I get out the way so that God can have his way in them. I release my opinions and my thoughts and my feelings and my will so that God can have his way in them because God's way is the best way for them. When you pray and you intercede and you labor in prayer for someone else because you love them and you want them to experience the freedom that's in God, they may never even know you've been praying for them. But it's not about you. It's not about getting a pat on the back. It's not about somebody giving you accolades. It's about God touching a life. <laughs> Praise God. This is why the Bible tells us to pray for one another. Bear one another's burdens. You don't always have to say it. It doesn't always have to be promoted. It doesn't always have to be said. Because the Bible says love doesn't seek its own. Love isn't puffed up. Love is not proud. It's not boastful. But love is kind. Mm. Love keeps no record of wrong. That's when in your King James it says it thinketh no evil. That little translation in the Greek is it doesn't keep a record of wrong. I like that interpretation better because we need to have that. Because we'll say we love people, but we'll keep records of wrong. But does God love you that way? The example of love is from God himself. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 5. It says that while we were, God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he didn't wait until I had myself together to actually act. <laughs> Love makes the first move. Love is the initiator. Love is not a response. Love is a creator. Love starts stuff. Whew. Love is not just reactionary. It's not based on what people are doing, what people are saying or how they are. And love doesn't think it's own, so it's not concerned about how they'll even respond to it. Well, they're not going to receive this or they're not going to like it. But can I give it in love? At the end of the day, it's not about me. The Bible says this, you need to speak the truth in love love don't just speak the truth please don't just tell me the truth i need the love i need love because truth can hurt 
truth, truth can, can cut. And so I need the anesthesia of love. I need the love of God to, to coat that thing so that I can swallow it, so that I can receive it. And so maybe, and, and initially when you speak to someone, they may even think, man, you're not loving me. But if truly you know you've been praying, the love of God is flowing in your heart, you can have peace. You can have peace. That word will not return void. You may never see it. That's okay. Because love is not about boasting. I'm not about seeking my own. I don't need to see it. Love simply is. This love simply is. And so God tells us to love one another that way. This is what he says, the two greatest commandments. Greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is like unto it, to love your neighbor as yourself. The Bible says we love God because he first loved us. The Bible says that God is love. Why is love such a big deal? Because it's what he is. It's not a characteristic he has. It's who he is. He is love. He that does not love his brother does not know God. How can you say you love God and you hate your brother that you can't see? The Bible says this, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Ghost that's given to us. So this is why you need the Holy Ghost. You can't have self-sacrificial love without the love of God being shed abroad in your heart first. It's not a ticket to heaven. It's a ticket to love. It's not a box check that says, okay, now I'm good to go. I don't have to do nothing. No, it is the power of God to manifest his love on the earth to a world that is desperate for the love of God. Desperate for the love of God. We read in John chapter 3, it talks about being born again and Nicodemus, and I just never saw this before, but Nicodemus asked the question, how can these things be? Because he told him, you got to be born again, water in the spirit. We know that. That's right. He that's born of the spirit, wind blows where it lists and all that stuff. And then he asked, well, how can these things be? And Jesus was like, you should, you don't know this. You're a teacher of Israel. And then he goes into this thing about just kind of, and he, and, and, he, and he concludes it. He says, for God so loved the world. How can this things be? How can I be born again? It's because God so loved the world. How can I, how can the spirit blow and I can be made new and become, let go of my past and be a whole new creature? It's because of the love of God. How can this thing be? So you got to be very careful. Don't just preach to somebody. Hey, you need the Holy Ghost. No, you need to give them the love of God. Don't just try and dunk them in water and be baptized in Jesus name. You need the love of God. 
because they won't be changed. They won't be transformed. You, water doesn't change you and, and emotion doesn't change you. It's the love of God that changes you and transforms you and gives you power in situations you didn't have power before. It's the love of God that will, that will give you something to forgive when every other time you have no reason to do it except the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. So you can look the part for a while. It looks the same for a while. But when love gets crucified, what comes out is, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's where you know whether it's love or not. On the streets, everything's good, everything's hunky-dory, everything's fine. It all looks the same. Love, agape, phileo, like the person. Actually, I don't like the person. We, can, we got a good facade. But when you get crucified, when you get persecuted, afflicted, when the trials come, and just like Jesus, you get pierced, what comes out of you? Does love come out? Or does bitterness and hatred and envy and self-seeking and pointing fingers and accusation and unforgiveness and they did that and they did this and look at that one. That's not the love of God. That's not the love of God. And so I need a baptism, a revelation, a freshing of God's love for me. Because if I can really grasp that, it transforms me. It transforms me. Because you, you aren't accepted in God because you do things right. I hope you all know that. You can't do it. I told y'all that's our motto. One, two, three. We can't do it. It's the love of God. It's the love of God that has met us. I think we're going to finish here. Ephesians. Ooh, Ephesians chapter one. Pretty interesting. I mean, obviously, so this is this is the Bible that we have. Obviously, there was many other things that were said. I believe other letters that were written. Paul preached. Lots of messages, others preached, all sorts of stuff. But it's just kind of interesting, the Holy Ghost in his divine order. Um, Jesus writes a letter to the church in Ephesus and tells them the one thing you're lacking is love. And you read the book of Ephesians, which is written to the church in Ephesus. Uh, I believe the book of Ephesians was written before um, Revelation was written, just as far as time is concerned. But you read it, and, and uh, so bear with me. I'm going to, I'll read as fast as I can, just because chapter one, I'd never like to get past it. It's just, it's so awesome. Um, so chapter one, verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ according as he has chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love. <laughs> You're only holy and without blame 
in the love of God. You are not holy because of your works. I am not holy because of I've done everything right. The moment I step outside of the love of God, I am not holy and blameless. I become fearful, condemned, tormented. But when we abide in the love of God, we're holy. That's why Jesus says, abide in my love and you shall be my disciples. Okay, we got to move fast. (laughs) We only got the verse four. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, he has made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. He's abounded to us in all wisdom, prudence. He's made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. I just want to pause right there. God's pleasure is in you being a part of the kingdom. Like, that, this is what brings him pleasure, is us being his people. Right? It doesn't say anything in there about you doing stuff, achieving, accomplishing things, rising the success ladder, having some great name, having a title. Nope. This stuff is the good pleasure. This is his good pleasure, that you would be accepted in the beloved that you would be holy and without blame before him in love. Okay, continuing. Verse 11, verse 10, so that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and on earth, even in him in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, that's predestinated according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom you trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, whom after you believe you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Uh, whereunto, wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, I cease not to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers. So this is, this is Paul writing and he's saying to the church, I've heard about your faith in Jesus and your love for the saints. And I'm thanking God for it. I thank God for it. But we find in the book of Revelation that Jesus says, you've left something. You've left your first love. You haven't left the faith. You haven't left rejecting false doctrine and all that stuff, but you've left that place of love. So let's just just continue this. Verse 16, he says, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom, revelation, and the knowledge of him, your eyes or your understanding be enlightened. You would know what the hope of his calling is, the riches of his glory, his inheritance, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to his mighty power, working, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, set him at his own right hand heavenly places, far above all dominion, power, might, every named, not in this world only, but in the world to come. Put all things under his feet. My God gave him to be head over all things. Chapter two, and you, has he quickened? That word quickened, it means to be made alive. He's made you alive. You were dead in trespasses and sins. That's what God does. Sin will kill you but God wants to make you alive. 
There's people that are breathing physically, but they're dead. They're dead on the inside. And God wants to make you alive. Verse 2, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit works in the children of disobedience. I'm moving fast. Bear with me. Verse 3, among whom also we had our conversation in times past, lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh of the mind, were by nature children of wrath. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us. His mercy is because of his love. His mercy is so rich because his love is so powerful. The more love you have, the more merciful you are. Jesus says, blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful. You want more mercy, you need love. You want to be rich in mercy? Be filled with the love of God. For his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, he quickened us together with Christ. You see this? So whenever you see the description of the love of God, with it you see our sins. You see that we were dead. You see that we had no hope. And then God's love meets it. And so seemingly the love is demonstrated when we would say it's least deserved. The power of the love is seen when someone hasn't earned it. Please stop waiting for people to earn it. Look for opportunities to give love. We got to change our mindset. You're waiting for people to do you right. Stop it. Jesus has done you right. God has done you right. Now go and do likewise. Church, we're not supposed to be waiting for the world to get their act together. I don't, we, don't, we don't even have to wait for our brothers and our sisters to get their act together before we love them. I've been loved by him. He's, he's filled me with the Holy Ghost. I have the love of God on the inside of me. It wants to go out. It wants to go to those places where people are dead in sin and make them alive. It's not hiding from that stuff. It's not hiding from that. Okay, let's finish this. We're done. Verse 6. He has raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come. He might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. <laughs> it's not of works, lest any man should boast. I got to finish verse 10, and then we'll touch that. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. It's not your good works that gets you anything with God. The fact is, you, your life, is his good work. <sighs> Who you are is his workmanship. It's not about your works. It's about his works. And your life is his work. 
Your love manifested is his work. He gets the glory for the good works. So when you do things for somebody, it's not you. It's the love of God working through you. It's the work of God operating in the world. Somebody say, I want to see the works of God. That's your life. That's you. You're his workmanship. You are proof that God loves. You are evidence that the invisible God of all creation is alive and well and has power. Your love, your light in the darkness, you, um, your forgiveness, your mercy is evidence of the invisible God. You are proof of God. Your love, you are his workmanship. Verse 11. Remember, you were times past Gentiles called uncircumcision, that at that time you were without Christ, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers, covenant, you had no hope without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you that were far off, were sometimes far off, were made nigh by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. He's broken down the middle wall of partition to make both one. He's abolished in his flesh the enmity, the law of commandments contained in ordinance to make in himself twain one new man that he might reconcile both to God unto one body by the cross. He slain the enemy, and he came preached peace to you that were far off and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and you are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom you are building fitly framed together, groweth into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. My goodness. <sighs> it's so good. And I just want to read a little bit more. One more scripture and then in, in Ephesians. I haven't said it yet, Pastor. I think I've been doing pretty good. I haven't said the, the S word. Sure. So, and I can't even say what the S word is, so the judges don't know. I get, I'll tell you. It's okay, man. I just, that sounds so. The word is sorry. It's that's that's the S word I'm talking about. <laughs> this is my safe place. Let me just read the scriptures. <laughs> Lord have mercy. I believe God has a sense of humor. I'm just, I'm persuaded that he does. Just, oh, Lord have mercy. He has to, to like deal with me. <laughs> Ephesians chapter three. This, um, I'm just going to start at verse number nine and then, and then we'll finish it. Uh, so we have an idea. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery from the begin, which from the beginning of the world has been hidden God who created all things by Jesus Christ. To the intent now, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Uh, do you realize, sorry, I'm just taking a little comment. Do you realize that God is showing stuff to the principalities and powers in heavenly places, his glory, his power through you? 
Church, we are more than just a social club. This is more than just, oh, we had a good service. No, we're making declarations to principalities and powers. This is why he wants, the enemy always wants to try and minimize us and minimize you, make you feel less than and get us off on little things that are not the main thing because he realized what God is doing through the church, showing the wisdom of God. Verse 11, according to his eternal purpose, which he person Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore, I desire that you faint not at my tribulations, which are for your glory. Uh, for this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. This is what he's praying, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Paul is saying, I'm praying Christ would dwell in your hearts by faith, that you be rooted and grounded in love, and that you would be able to comprehend the breadth, length, depth, height, to know the love of Christ so that you would be filled with all the fullness of God. The prayer for the church, for the people of God, is to be filled, to, be, to know the love of God so that I can be filled with the fullness of God. The more I have a revelation of how much he loves me, the more I'm full of his love, the more I'm full of him. The less revelation you have of the love of God, the less full of him you are. We need the love of God. I need a revelation of his love for me. Because it changes everything. It changes everything. You don't need to know more about the devil. You don't even need to know more about yourself because that's a dark place. I believe that's the height of depression is when you're just caught up in you. You know you, and that's, I'm not saying about you, I'm saying about me, but me, and I know me. I try not to think about me because there's no fruit in that. But if I can, Dwell on the love of God and comprehend his love. And it says it passes knowledge. It, it goes beyond understanding. It's not a two plus two equals four. It's, it's beyond that. You're going to have to receive it by revelation. And he's talking this to the church, to the church in Ephesus. He's saying, I'm praying for you that you would get just a baptism of the revelation of the love of God. Y'all got the other stuff, great. But we've got to have the love of God. We need to be desperate for it. 
signs, wonders, miracles, good, but I could still be a disappointment to Jesus with all of that. But if I have the love of God, if I operate with love, I fulfill the law. If I love my neighbor, I fulfill the law. I fulfill it. Mm. Let's stand. Love suffers long, is kind, it does not envy, does not vaunt itself, it's not puffed up, it does not behave unseemly, it doesn't seek its own, it's not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, keeps no record of wrong, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. Whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I also am known. And now abideth faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Is love. Love. Praise God. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 12, the end of it, verse 31, he says to covet the best gifts. But behold, I show you a better way. <laughs> That's how it ends. Spiritual gifts are great. They're powerful. We need them because God gives them to us. But the right way is the way of love. Because if you earnestly covet love, you will flow in the gifts. Because it's the love of God. It's the spirit of God. You need a revelation of the love of God. Some of us, and I, and I say this and it applies to me, um, I'm a perfectionist, and I'll admit this, I'm a perfectionist when it comes to myself. Um, I don't ever want to mess up. I don't ever like to do things wrong. I don't ever like to do things to others that are wrong. I don't ever like, I just, like, that's just, I'm, nah, I, have a, I have an issue with that. And can I tell you, I haven't been 100%. And sometimes I've, I've struggled with that because I can really, I'll say, beat myself up because of it. Um, and really like, man, Lord, why did you, why didn't you stop me or just force me or just, and, and, and it could become a thing. And I remember there was this one time where I was not, I knew like there was some stuff he had wanted me to do and I didn't do it. And. And, um, and so anyway, I was, I, I, I'll just share a little bit. I come here to the building and it was by myself and, and I really, I had gotten down. I'm like, Lord, I know I'm not right with you. I shouldn't, I'm just, I'm not bad. I'm kind of in this place and stuff like that. I said, I, 
I know I shouldn't be, but I'm just whatever. And something happened, long story short, where uh, somebody got a hold of me and, and needed a miracle in their life or to pray. And, and I remember thinking like, okay, I'm going to do it, but like, God, I'm not right. Like, <laughs> maybe other days I'm like really on fire. I'm like living for God. I'm pure. I'm clean and all that stuff. And so anyway, I uh, prayed for them. And long story short, a miracle happened. A miracle happened. And so while I was, I was, I was thankful for the miracle, I was more kind of, I actually kind of got frustrated with God. And I'm like, what in the world was that? Like, God, I am so not on point right now. I have not been doing stuff. I'm, I should have, and I messed up here, and I'm like, oh, and I'm just, and I failed. And so I was just in one of those cycles where I was just kind of really beating myself up. Um, and, um, and I said, Lord, I just feel so unworthy right now. And this is what he spoke to me. He said, that's the problem. He says, you are never worthy. Even on your best day, it's my love. And he says, you make that mistake thinking when you're doing well, it's you. And it started me on this just revelation of God's love. That on my best day, I need his love. On my best, best day, it's because he loves me. And he just sees me and has placed me as holy. I don't know about you, but have you kind of gotten down the road of stuff and you look back and you're like, oh man, what was I doing back then? I thought I was good now. Like, who was that? Like, God, how did you even deal with me back then? It was the love of God. And the thing that should happen five years from now, you should look back on the 2023 you and be like, what in the world was I thinking? Who was that? Because there should be growth. But there's no condemnation because of the love of God. As we grow in grace, we're rooted and grounded in love. He doesn't condemn us. He's not. He, 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 he. The Bible says that he justifies us. But he that justifies also sanctifies. So he stamps you as holy right where you are. Right where you are. That's just fascinating to me. But it's the love of God. And so somebody today, I'm praying this, I believe this. In your failure, in your mistakes, in your disappointment, God wants to introduce you and give you a revelation of his love. Those of you that feel like, man, I'm doing okay. God wants to remind you. It's not your works. It's his love. And so this is our message to the world. Our message to the world is not do better. Is there's a God that loves you. And if, I, if you'll be introduced to his love, it will transform your life. Hallelujah. 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 We're going to open these altars for those that need to pray. Maybe you're in a place of sin right now. 
you can repent because of the love of God. (laughs) He gets pleasure in repentance. He doesn't get pleasure in sin. He gets pleasure in demonstrating his love and covering you with his love and transforming you through the love of God. Some of us, church, we've been around this for a long time, and I I believe we need a fresh baptism of the love of God. We can pick out everything that's wrong in the world, everything that's wrong in me, everything that's wrong in my brother, my sister. Pick out all the iniquity, but I need the love of God to make my heart warm again. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just take a few moments today. If you need the Holy Ghost... You need the Holy Ghost. You just need to receive God's love for you. If you can be persuaded that God loves you and open your heart to his love, he will fill you. He will fill you with his spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.